morning, everybody. Good to see your beautiful faces this morning. Amen. I love this movie. Um, some of you guys might have seen this. This is a couple of scenes from The Passion of the Christ. And there's this famous question that Pilate asks is, what is truth? And that is, there's basically two things that humanity wants, but always struggles to define what it is. And that's love and truth. And so what is this? And so we're going to, I'm not going to like talk about how, I don't know, we're always trying to convince other sides to, to kind of understand what truth is and what the meaning of truth is. And, you know, someone else's truth might be their truth, but it's not my truth, all that kind of thing back and forth. But my, my mission today is to basically talk to those who are believers and those who are kind of on the fence and then those who just don't believe in God or a definite absolute truth. And it's not to, we don't have all the time in the world, we only got 30 minutes or so here to kind of discuss this topic, but it's basically, I want to be able to get you guys to think. So whether you're already a believer, why do you believe? How do you know that what you believe is the truth? If you're on the fence, how do you know that what truth is? Where where are you going to lean? If you're off the fence and you don't believe anything at all, then where are you? What's your whole purpose? What is purpose? And so this thing is love and truth, but we're talking about truth today. And so there's this saying from the ancient philosopher, the ancient Greek philosopher back in the fourth century BC, uh, Protagoras. And he says, the man is the measure of all things. And so the uh, Greek philosopher Plato had interpreted this to mean that there's really no absolute truth. You know, everything is kind of whatever someone's worldview is, it's just whatever it is. Um, Allen Ginsberg, the poet, author from the beat movement that was famous in the 50s, he said, and he's basically riffing off what Protagoras had said, and he says, I don't think there is any truth. There are only points of view. And then, of course, we saw Pontius Pilate, the, uh, the Roman governor, he says, what is truth? So there's been this whole discovery, this whole mission of humanity trying to find out what is truth. And why is that? Because truth, when you, we have to set our foot on something. We have to build our lives on something. We have to believe in something, fasten ourselves to something, tether ourselves to something, and that is truth. And so we, we go all these different ways. Now, in our culture, science has become the means through which we measure truth. It's, it's the way that we discover truth. And so it's science. And so since science is something that we can tangibly see and feel and, and, and touch, it becomes the only measurement that we use to define truth. And so it gets to the point to where it's like it becomes scientism. So scientism is the belief that only science can really describe existence. Only science can really, um, is the best way to render what truth is and what reality is. But that is like a, a simple way of looking at life. You're kind of missing the broader picture if you're only measuring what truth is based on the physical world. Because we know as people, we know that there's something more than just, you know, two plus two. There's something more than just the sun comes up in the morning. There's something more than just you know, grass grows and chemistry and mathematics and stuff like that. We know there's something more because we, we have relationships. We love. We know we're sad, we're happy, we laugh, all these kind of things. There's something more than just this physical world and just the emotions that we feel. 
And so if we only look at the world through the lens of science, again, we're missing the, the whole, we're missing something. We're missing the whole, the whole picture. And also in our culture, science is not even always the foundation of, in which we discover truth. Now we, we live in this age where it's about what we prefer or how we feel or what our desires are. And so we make that our truth. So it comes, it comes to the point now to where we're like, you know, scientifically proven that this is it, but yet if it doesn't meet someone's worldview, if it doesn't meet someone's preference, then all of a sudden it's not really true. Yeah, that's true for you, but it's not true for me because I want to do this or I see the world this way or I want to do this. I feel like I am this. And so you're basically off, off the truth. So this gets kind of confusing because it goes back to what Allen Ginsberg says. I don't believe there's any truth at all. I just believe there's different worldviews, different ways of seeing the world. So, you know, you can get all kind of, you know, technical and be like, oh, we're in a room here and it's daylight outside. So yeah, obviously that's the truth, it's daylight outside. But now someone might say, no, it's not actually daylight outside, it's cloud covering. So really it's not technically all the way daylight. It's like, stop it, stop. It's daytime, you know, it's like, get over it. And so, and you kind of play these games too. You know, I'm the youth minister here, so sometimes you're talking to the young people and even my own kids, and they get to where you just, you state a fact, and they're like, well, that's technically blah, 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 blah. And it's like, stop, you know, that's it, you know? And it's like, stop trying to mess with me. So 99% of the times they're just joking with me, but there's some times where it's just like, you know, stop, you know, just, it is what it is, you know, stop, stop trying to mess with it and toy with it and break it and break it apart. You ever hate when you give, you give your kids something and it's great and then they go and start messing with it and taking it apart and breaking it and just totally taking it and bending it out of its purpose? And so that's, some, that's what we do. A lot of times it's just simple. Just turn it on and it does an awesome thing. Don't, you don't have to do anything more with it. And so that's how it is with, with us, humanity. We always want to keep tweaking and tweaking and tweaking because we're never satisfied. We always beyond curious. It's not even curiosity, it's just, I don't want to say stupidity, but it's just like, just let it go. So what is truth? That's basically what Pontius Pilate asked. And this is the question that a lot of people have. And there's this line written, so we don't really know the name of Pontius Pilate's wife. And so in the movie, she's called Claudia because a lot of people in the ancient times of Christianity believe her name might have been Claudia. Um, but she has this line and she says, and, and of course, he's asking his wife, and you know, what is truth? How do you know when you hear it? And she basically says, if you will not hear the truth, no one can tell you. And so this is a line from the movie. This is not like something we know she actually said. It's not actually in the Bible, stuff like that, but it's a line from the movie, but it's actually really good. If you would not hear the truth, no one can tell you. And so this is it. How do you know the truth? When are you prepared to listen? And something happened. 2,000 years ago, and this is the reason why a lot of us are here in this church, because someone entered the world, someone entered history and changed everything. And this Jesus of Nazareth, he came on the scene, and all of a, he made these bold claims, and all of a sudden the whole world changed. The calendar changed, cultures changed, societies changed. It just shook up history. Our calendar is like split in half, B.C., before Christ, and AC after Christ. And of course, it's been secularized to like BCE before Common Era, you know, and AE after Common Era or something like that, whatever it is. And what we know 
he came and just basically changed everything. The whole world changed because of Christianity, and it's amazing. And so why is that? And so if someone has made such a profound impact on the world, such a profound impact on humanity, why would you not look further into who this person is? And not listening to all the different voices and different perspectives of who he is, but really going after who this person was. So let's look at what he said. And this is what he said about himself. And let's just go back to what this scene that we just got through watching. And this is, takes place in John 18 and verse 33. And it says, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to pre prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. If anyone, or sorry, everyone on this side of truth listens to me. And of course, the famous saying Pilate says, what is truth? Jesus also says in uh, John 8, verse 31, he says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you have this, this man making these bold claims about who he is. And he's basically saying, I am the truth. I am the way. The words I speak are truth. You know, I have come into the world to testify to what the truth is. So you have this, this, this man, Pilate, who's looking at this other guy who's been beaten, and he's got this whole crowd outside the palace demanding that he be crucified, that he be killed. And Pilate is basically a cynical person. He doesn't really believe that truth really matters or that exists. And he's basically the, the kind of guy who probably just, you know, whatever society is, that's what it is. And whatever gives me power, that's what the truth is. And whatever I have to face every day, that's my truth. But here, this governor is sitting right before this man who is, who is bold and simple, but yet strong and wise in his eyes and in his sayings. And he's, and he's saying these things and he's shaking him up. And he has no reason to, to put him to death. But the crowd keeps saying, crucify him, crucify him. And even his own wife, before he went and and uh, met with Jesus was like, had nothing to do with that guy. Don't, don't put him to death. I had a dream about him, and it's disturbing me. And he tried so hard as to not let them crucify him. But of course, it was the man of the people. And his truth became, if I let these people revolt, you know, my life's in trouble now. Now I have to answer to Caesar. And the truth is, I'm going to be um, put out. I'm going to be punished. So he caved in. So we have this guy making these bold claims. He's the truth. He's basically saying that he's God and he's come to reveal the truth to humanity and that anyone who listens to what he says hears the truth. The other thing is the Bible. And so we have this holy text, this holy Bible that we go by in which those who hate God and those who hate Jesus or who hate Christianity or who hate religion see the Bible as foolishness and fairy tales and stuff like that. But the Bible is the most scrutinized 
the most read, the most misquoted, the most quoted, the most studied, the most just of all hist historical fictions, or sorry, historical writings and books, it is profoundly the most you know, read and, and studied writings ever. It's got the most manuscripts of all manuscripts, even the manuscripts about Caesar, even the manuscripts about Alexander the Great. But yeah, we, we hold up these Julius Caesars and we hold up these Alexander the Greats as that's accurate history, that's right. But these other texts that testify of Jesus, that testify of the Hebrews, that testifies of all these historical facts are profoundly solid and, and, and not proven to be wrong. But yet, because it has supernatural events in it, it's considered to be foolishness, considered to be fairy tales, considered to be a myth. So this is it. Why is the Bible so, so big and so profound in our, in our world? But yet, no one looks into that. We're just, we want to look at, nah, that's made up. So we're just gonna, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go where I think is right. So we got this Jesus of Nazareth, and we got this holy text called the Bible, and they're just profoundly wrecking the world and just won't go away and it just and profoundly not disproven no matter how you what anyone says no one's ever disproved anything about the bible or anything about jesus he's a historical person no one's ever disproved that he's risen from the dead no matter what anyone tells you it's never been disproven now because we have the bible the written writings of the bible that testify of all these witnesses that have seen him raised of all these witnesses that have seen the empty tomb, of all these witnesses that have seen his miracles, of all these witnesses that have heard him speak, is considered rubbish just because it's in the Bible. But the truth is, there's also things outside the Bible, historical writings, that talk about this Jesus of Nazareth, that talks about these things. And it's amazing. So hundreds of years, centuries go by, and no one has disproven this, but yet people tend to be skeptical about it because it doesn't meet their worldview. So when the Bible is read out of context, it's bound to be misinterpreted, it's bound to be misunderstood, and that's what's happening. That's what's happening in our world, because it's, and even in the church, it's misinterpreted, it's misunderstood. And so this is the reason why people don't come to church. This is the reason why people don't trust in Christianity, because Believers themselves have misinterpreted, mis, you know, misunderstood the Bible and preach it, and it puts people out. Organized religion has put people out, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And even me as a Christian, I can look at the church and say, yeah, that's a problem. I can see why people don't want to come here. I can see why people don't want to be involved in Christianity. I can see why people leave the faith, because it's become something where it's misunderstood. It's, it's misrepresented. The same goes with looking at the world, though. We can look at the world and the, and the ways of the world, and we can say um, it can be misinterpreted, it can be misunderstood. And so even those who don't believe in the Bible, you're still misunderstanding even what you think you know, even what we think we find out through science and all those kind of things. So here we have a guy, Jesus, is claiming to be the truth, that he's the only way to God. In other words, he's saying that he is God. But this is someone who's worth investigating. This is someone who's worth looking into. And so of all the other religions and all the founders of religions, they all come to say, oh, I have the way. Oh, I have the truth. But this Jesus of Nazareth says, I am the way. I am the truth. And so who is this person? What is this? Um, in ancient Hebrew thinking, and also in the ancient Near East, 
there was this concept of the sea. So the sea was, a, was an imagery used of chaos. And so basically meaning that, and usually it was the sea or the wilderness was seen as this, this imagery of chaos because no person can live out in the sea. No person can live, live out in the wilderness. It was that place that was mysterious and like, like the sea is formless and it's just these creatures out there and they can just gobble you up or you're out the ship and you can just be destroyed. And so it's seen as, a, as an imagery of chaos and disorder. And so let's look at uh, Revelation 21 and in verse 1. And here the Apostle John, he's, he's seeing this vision and he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. So we look at this and we're thinking, oh, there's no sea? Man, you know, I'm going to miss deep sea fishing and, you know, and going to see Shamu and all that kind of stuff like that. He's, that's not what he's saying. He understands the people that he's writing to. And he understands the worldview that the sea is this image of chaos and disorder. And he's saying, in this new heavens and this new earth that God's going to create, there's no longer any disorder. There's no longer any chaos. And so the Apostle John is being shown the same thing that was revealed to the prophet Isaiah decade, uh, centuries ago. And we read that in Isaiah 65, verse 17. It says, See, and this is God speaking, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. And let's look at, let's go to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So again, this is this imagery of the sea, this chaos, this mass, just, just nothingness, just going. And this is the imagery that the writer is using in Genesis. He's saying that in the beginning was this nothingness, this chaos, this disorder, and so he begins this account about how God brought order to chaos. And so this is the creation account that we read about in Genesis. Now, fast forward, and we, and we see Jesus, and he's walking on the Sea of Galilee. And so the writers who's writing this, they know exactly what they're saying. They know exactly what they're showing. Not only that Jesus actually walked on water, they're saying he's walking on the sea. He's walking on the waters. He's above that chaos. So they're understanding the writers, the readers that they're writing to, they're understanding that they understand those who are educated. They're understanding that the sea is an image of chaos and disorder. And here, this Jesus is walking on it. And he's calming the seas, and he's calming the storms. All that which is an image of chaos and disorder, he's calming it. He's got control over it. He is above it. Who is this man? So now we live in this world where now I'm going to start riffing off this sea image. So stay with me on this sea image. So we look at the sea and just think of this big chaotic mass. And here you have all these people just floating around in it. So whether they're on boats, whether they're on a ship, whether they're just on, what are those round things called? Where you, you go to Splashtown in the, the inner tubes or whatever? The tubes, they're on that just floating around. And these ships and these boats and these tubes, even if it's just a log you're just laying on, these are the things that people are fashioning their lives to. This is, this is their truth. This is their, ideals, their ideologies, their worldviews, their perspectives that they're holding on to in this big mass of just confusion and disorder and just going through, through life that way. And then we have all these different religions and all these different beliefs and all these different things and they're just taking in this, this seawater 
and they're just belching out all these different things, and it's just like, it's just so confusing, it's just massive confusion. I remember going to like Splashtown when I was a kid. I think it's called Hurricane Harbor now, but it's also Splashtown. But I remember being there with my friend, and you know, they have the wave pool, and you're just going there, and you're just waving, and sometimes they'll have like a band playing, or they're playing like a concert or something. And so you have people in their tubes, and they're floating around, and the waves are going, and then you, or sometimes, you, I think me and my friend, we were just, we weren't on a tube at all, we were just kind of floating in there and um, having fun. And, and um, I think this is kind of like one of the beginnings of why I don't like to swim anymore <laughs> is, one of us was, my friend had gotten some water into like his nose or something like that, and he sneezed, and snot shot out like shoelaces <laughs> into the water, and it was just like, I was like, oh, and I just started. <laughs> And of course, the waves are pushing you back towards them, and who knows where the snot is, and I'm just like, ah, this is so gross. And I can't remember if it was the same moment or time, maybe it was some other time. I remember like a Band-Aid floated by, and I don't, can't remember if it hit me. But you just have all these people in there, and they're just floating around, and there's all kinds of stuff in the water, and they're just, but we're all having fun, right? My, fam, my friend who's sneezing and coughing is like, at that moment, he's not having fun. But that's, that's, what the, that's what it's like in the world. It's just this big thing, and we're just all like, people are just doing their thing, and they're just floating around, and, they're just, and they all got their own way, and it's just chaos, and it's nasty. And, um, but the thing about truth is that it's constant, it is firm, it is never changing, it is everlasting. This is it's a foundation. And so this is what we're trying to, tether ourselves to, but we're trying to, find, we're trying to find some kind of foundation. We're trying to find something to grasp onto. And the thing about humanity is that our love for the exotic, it casts us even further out into the sea, further out into this, because we're trying to like, a lot of us are raised in the church, and we have a, a rock to put our foot on. We have something to tether ourselves to, but we start looking out over the sea, and we're thinking, ah, what's out there, though? I don't, I, this is all I know right here, but what's out there? And you're trying to, and Someone who knows the truth is like, ah, don't go out there. It's chaos. It's disorder. It's not going to go well. No, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go searching. You know, I'm going to be Columbus. I'm going to go searching. But there's nothing out there. Nothing worth, nothing worth it. So without truth, there is no order. Without order, there is disorder and destruction. There is no life. There is no existence. And that's true scientifically. So science is showing us all these different things about the things that we do know. And what's also funny is that scientists go on, I remember this Richard Dawkins, he was a, a famous atheist, famous scientist, and he, you know, I think he's a biologist, and he talks about how biology is the study of things which have the appearance of being designed, but he doesn't believe in a, in a designer, he doesn't believe in a creator. And you, and you see all these scientists, they'll talk about the Big Bang Theory, and that something happened in the universe, it began somewhere. And it's amazing, we don't know how it all happened. It's brilliant, but it's, we don't understand. You know, it's like, but they don't believe in a God, they don't believe in a designer. And then you have math, mathematicians and scientists also come up with this equation, the probability of how any of this can ever exist. And the, the, the equation is ridiculous because it's impossible. They just basically put it all together, and it's just like the possibilities of this, of everything happening in order and perfection that we know of what's called the physical world, how it all happens. It's just, it's impossible for it to just accidentally happen. And so, how can, how can that be? And so, 
again, everyone's looking for their own preferences. Everyone's looking for their own worldview. They're trying to tether themselves to something. And they only want to go so, go so far as to science. Science is the study of the physical world. It's the study of the physical phenomenon. That's it. It doesn't go any further than that. But our, our, our command as human beings is to look into things, is to explore, is to study, is to adventure this existence and not just sit on something that's just been thrown at us or been um, taught to us, not just to sit on some raft that someone threw at you at the, at the, in the sea of confusion just to sit on. In Proverbs 25, verse 2, it says, It is the glory of God to conceal matters. To search out a matter, it is the glory of kings. So here, the writer is basically saying, the nature of God is basically, he's got all this stuff that he doesn't, hasn't really revealed to us. But it's like a king, it's like a king's nature to kind of look into these matters, to spend all your money and all your efforts and hire the best explorers and scientists and, and everybody to find these things out because there's mysteries out there. What is going on? So this is good. It is good for us to study these things. Is, sciences are good, but it's not the foundation. It's not what we should lean on. So let's look at the, let's look at, there's basically three sciences. Now we say science, which is what we think of, like the study of the physical world, but there's also philosophy, which is the study of reason and existence and knowledge and values and mi the mind and languages. And we got theology, which is basically the study of the divine things, about basically study of religions. So these three different scientists, these three different types of sciences are meant to come together to make sense of existence. And so these things are here for us. We're supposed to have these kind of sciences. We're supposed to have science. We're supposed to have these studies. But we're not supposed to just do it without a foundation. So you've got to think of it like a pyramid. You've got the science, and you've got philosophy, and you've got theology. But it's got to sit on a foundation. And that foundation must be truth. And truth is no theory, no speculations, no agenda, no point of view. It is firm. It is unmoving. It is a mountain. It is a rock. That's what truth is. And then God uses the, uses the facts of the physical world to communicate to us. So that's how when we read the, read the scriptures and we're seeing, I mean, that's why the Bible is such a human text. Not, and I'm not saying that it's, not, it's totally a divine text too, but it's, it's written by humans in a human world and God condescends to their, to their society, to their, uh, to, their, to their habits and stuff like that, to their worldview to help them understand. So when we're reading about other things in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it is based on the world they live in. But God is trying to work with them in that context. So God uses the physical world to communicate to us. There's a, there's a saying that goes, that's been going around that's called, that says, truth is always quiet. It's the lies that are always loud. And I just thought that was really cool. It, it, I think it was actually in a, a line in the, the Jesus Revolution movie that came out last year. But it's been around before that. So I think, I think the movie writers just put it in there. Um, but I, I've heard people like secular people use this and religious people use this, and I, it, but it's, it's profound. It's really, it's really good. Truth is always quiet. It's the lies that are always loud. And so the roar of the sea, going back to the sea imagery of this chaos, of this disorder, these are these lies and these twisted truths that are out there that just constantly brush up, brushing up against the, the, the foundation, brushing up against the, the beach and just rushing in and just trying to disturb and, and, and make things um, hard to understand.
So truth, it must be worked for. You have to make an effort at it. So it's like exercising. You have to make an effort to do it. You know you have to exercise. You know you should be eating healthy. You know you should be doing all these things, but you, know, you don't want to make the effort to do it because it, it takes effort. <laughs> so it's the same thing when you're seeking truth. It takes effort. And so it kind of bothers me when people are kind of like agnostic, which basically just means, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Maybe there's a God. I don't know. You know, it's like, dude, find out. So this is a pretty big deal. You know, it's like, <laughs> is there, is there not? And so that's like laziness. And so that's how a lot of people are. I just, I don't know. You know, they just want to go through their life and just go eating and drinking and having fun. And, you know, and then when something bad happens, that's when they're all like, oh, God, you know, and it's like, is there a God? Is there, if there is a God, please help me. Because they're, they've been thrown into the sea. And they're now it's like they have no control because that's what the sea is. There's no control out there. And so we look up into the galaxies and we see, wow, it's amazing out there. Look at all this, how everything is just so perfected, how everything's lined up just right. And, and just, you know, in a microscope, you can study the, the most smallest microorganisms and see how they work. And it's just, ah, then it's all so ordered. And we can look out into the into the solar system and see how everything's positioned just right. If the sun was even closer, we'd burn up. If it was even further, any further away, we would freeze. If the moon was too close to us, the, well, the whole Earth would be, close, you know, would be flooded. You know, it's just all these different things that have to happen in order for this to even be life on this planet, on this little speck out in the universe. And again, there not, has not been any evidence of life found anywhere else. Think about that. Nowhere else of this massive massive universe and people are just thinking ah this all just happened by chance what is the truth something happened something's going on here on this earth where we live the thing is is that god speaks to us in a still small voice and so when we let the roar of the sea of all this confusion all these different ideas all these different worldviews because that's basically what it is your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. There's never, we're just all kind of just floating around here and we're just, no one can ever find their footing on anything. There's no foundation. And they're just all going in the pool, all going in the waves, just going about nothing, nothing to fix themselves on. This is confusion. This is disorder. It is not the way God created things. But tr truth is simple. And God speaks to us in a small voice because he's, he, and and he's soft-spoken. He's not thunder and lightning like Zeus. Though he's, he's had to, he had to give a little testing with the Israelites. But, um, you know, I get testing with my kids too, you know. But I'm not always thunderous. So, but, you know, he's kind, he's sweet, he's gentle. And so when we go through this life, just constantly with all this noise, we always have things going on. We always have to have the TV on. We always have to have music or something going on in our ears. We always have to be on our phones talking to somebody and stuff. It always bothers me when I'm going to work in the morning and it's like, seven o'clock in the morning and people are in the elevator <laughs> talking to somebody and it's like dude it's early in the morning be quiet <laughs> turn off your uh, speakerphone and i don't have to hear your whole conversation I'm not even talking about anything just like go to work and be quiet but um but people feel like they always have to be talking to somebody always have to be doing something but be quiet because god is speaking you just never know just be quiet so truth is what we're required to build our lives on. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, 
and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And then uh, Luke wrote it, kind of like another, the same thing, but he kind of puts in a little bit more other things that Jesus had said in chapter 6, verse 47. And again, this is Jesus speaking. As for anyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was built well. It was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment that torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. And so we have to have our lives built on a firm foundation. Truth is that foundation. Jesus is that truth. He's saying it here. He's saying, I am it. The words I speak, when you listen to me and hear me and do what I say, you are walking in truth. You are living in truth. You are building your life on a firm foundation. You know, we sing that song in church. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. And you know, it's when everything around me is shaken, you know, I've never been more glad that I put my life in Jesus. He never let me down. He, he's faithful, you know, in, in everything, in every generation. So why would he fail now? Because he's constant. He is firm. He's the truth. He is unmoving. He is unwaving. He is faithful. That's what faithful is. It's just never changing. Just always, you can always count on him. Always put everything, all your trust in him. You can build yourself on Christ. But when you're building yourself on a worldview, you're building yourself on your politics, you're building yourself on your culture, you're building yourself on other things that are always constantly changing, changing that are mutable, that are always evolving, there's no foundation. You're just still out in that sea. You're just constantly out there drinking seawater and belching it back out and saying that that's truth. Truth is this firm foundation, the steady ground that we're supposed to build our lives on. And that truth is Jesus. He is, this is the one, and I speak it with confidence because I testify that I have discovered the truth, and he is Jesus, the Christ, who came 2,000 years ago, who, who is what he said he was. He is risen. He is alive and not dead, and that he is forever glorified. This is the one that we build our lives on. This is the one who we follow. This is the one who we bear the name Christ Christ followers, Jesus the Christ, the Master, the Savior, the ever-living one, the everlasting Father, came down into our world and stood right in front of us and lived among us and lived a perfect life and spoke the truth and did amazing things, but we miss it. Mankind misses it. Pontius Pilate has got him right in front of him and he's hearing this and he misses it. The religious leaders who are supposed to be these great scholars of the word of God, and they miss it because they have their own preferences. They have their own worldview because when they're taking their worldview and their preferences and they're trying to measure it up to the truth, 
ah, that doesn't feel right. Take that off. It's just like when you're trying to get a cast on, a, on, a, on your dog that got, you know, broke his leg or something like that, and they're all like, they don't like it, it feels funny, and they're trying to get it off. It's like, I'm trying to help you. Stop. You know, it's like, I'm just going to make it feel right. But that's how people are. They're like, just get off. Get off. That doesn't feel right because you have your own preference. So who is this foundation? Who is this rock? Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 32, verse 3, he says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all of his ways are just. A faithful God who does, not, or who does no wrong, upright and just is he. God is our rock. He is secure. He is not moved. He is not hidden from us, but we can hide in him. We can set ourselves on him. He is a rock that's everlasting. He is immutable. He is, never changes. He is changeless. In Matthew 24, Jesus says this, verse 35. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus is saying, the words that I speak will never fade. It will never become obsolete. It's not going to change. It's not going to become out of fashion. It is constant. It is true. It is everlasting. This is truth never changing. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word of God. And when Jesus is praying for his disciples in, in John 17, verse 17, he's praying to God the Father, and he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Christ has given us the truth in order that we are free from our habits of sin, free from the sinful nature, so we are sanctified by this truth. We are sanctified by this one who is the truth, Jesus. This is how we get out of our rut. This is how we change our mindset. This is how we get out of our preferences. This is how we change our worldview. It's by the truth, Jesus. And that's it. Jesus is the word. And the word was in the beginning. And the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became among us and dwelt among us on this earth. And he did these awesome things. This is Jesus of Nazareth, a real person who existed, not a fairy tale, not a myth. He is the truth. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The next verse says, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. And that's it. So here, the, the, the apostles writing here is saying, he doesn't change. He was there in the beginning. He was here among us at, on the earth, and he's going to be always be, but he never changes. Our truths, our worldviews, world what we think is right, changes all the time. How many, times, how many times have you changed your mind in your life? Oh, yeah, I used to think, I used to believe in that kind of stuff. No, not, not anymore. I, I do this. No, I'll, I'll follow that person now. They're, they're cool. The other person, uh, I used to follow them, but I don't, I don't do it anymore. I used to read those books, but now I don't, I don't read these books. I used to watch that news network, but now I don't watch that. I like this other news network better. You know, you're just always changing your minds. You're just never, we just never, but Jesus is boom, firm, consistent, unchanging, everlasting, always, 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 firm, foundation, the truth. That is truth. Truth is everlasting. It is the rock. It is Jesus. There is no faith without truth. So think about it. You have to believe in something. There has to be something that you believe is the truth in order to tether yourself to 
to tether your ideas to and all that kind of stuff. So truth is not, sorry, faith is not blind, you know, just blind faith. We think about, well, people of faith are just blind. They don't, they're not thinking about anything. They're, just, they're not reasoning, which is funny because the atheists talk about reason all the time. How can you sit there and look at all the facts of science that shows the complexity and design and how Richard Dawkins says, you know, well, biology is the, is the study of things that look like they're designed. You know, and just kind of stop right there. How do you not reason and think, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know? I don't look at a car and say, There's, yeah, look, that's the appearance that it looks like it's designed, but it's not. Let me get in and drive it around, you know? <laughs> it's like, stop it, stop. The evidence is there. Scientists are showing the evidence for something that is beyond, you know, that transcends anything that we can ever think of, think of and imagine. These are the things, reason will get you to look after that stuff, to go after that stuff, to study that stuff out. That is the truth. So we are to, to pursue that. That is true reasoning. Reasoning is not saying, oh, religion is ridiculous, you know, which it is. But truth is not. And Jesus is the truth. You follow Jesus. You're not religious. You're following the, the truth. That's the way I put it. So faith is truth. And this is the kind of faith that we see in the, in the Bible. Faith is trust, sorry. Faith is this, this trust in something. It is trust in truth. Trust is having confidence that is relying on something or someone you believe to be true. Faith, the kind that Jesus and the Bible talk about, is the handle that is secured to truth. So when you're holding on to, I don't know, you're going with the, the Johnsons like to go, what, ski, ski sledding or whatever, on, you know, so you're, when you're holding on to that, to that thing and the boat's pulling you, you know, you, that boat is the truth. <laughs> it's going to, you know, it's going to stay firm and it's going to keep on moving. It's going to keep you above the water as long as it's going at a certain speed. So that's what it's like. You, you, you have to have your, your faith is that handle that you're holding on. The truth has to be the, the thing that you grasp on. So that we are to grab our, for, on for dear life and to not let go. Trusting that we will be rescued from this disorder and chaos, this decreation, this destruction. And that's what destruction is. Destruction is basically decreation. God is created, but what sin does, it brings destruction. It starts to decreate. And so when we have all these different world, different um, ideas and worldviews and, uh, and all these things that begin to start taking the truth of what God has revealed, and we start trying to take it apart and re rearrange it and mess it up, that is destruction, that is decreation, and that's what sin is. And that's what happens when you begin to believe lies, is that you begin to decreate. And this is what Jesus, this is why Jesus came. Jesus came to take, because what mankind did was mankind took what God created and inverted it, perverted it, turned it upside down. So Jesus comes into the world and he, ah, actually it should go this way. And he tries to put it, and he's basically putting it back. Oh, you say you should hate your enemies and destroy them. I say, no, love your enemies you know, and do good to them. Oh, you say that, you know, you know, it's good to, you know, to take, you know, I say, no, give. And even when you don't have, give, you know, stuff like that. So he, he inverts the ways of man because he's putting things back the way they should be because mankind and their own preferences and their own loves and their own desires have gone out and to decreate what God has originally made, created, which was good. Jesus' word 
Okay, this, I'm, I'm going to give this example. So we're going back to faith. And so when you're lost out in the sea and you're stranded, you're shipwrecked, and those, that rescue team comes out and they throw that lifeline, and you grab onto it, you're holding onto it for dear life because you know this is taking you out of this destruction, you're, this is taking you out of death, and that it's going to save you. But only a fool would be like, oh, no, I'm fine. I got it. You know, and you're out there drowning. And uh, it's like, no, take the lifeline. You know, and sometimes you're taking the wrong lifeline. You're taking the lifeline from, you know, the raft over there. It's like, yeah, come over to us. We're about to capsize, but come on over. You know, it's like, no. Truth is this thing where the lifeline is thrown out. Jesus has given his word. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and life. Follow me. This is the lifeline. He's trying to tell you, take hold of it. Come on, so I can pull you onto shore, onto the rock, onto the firm foundation of truth, of who I am, of who you're supposed to be. Come here. Hold on as I take you in. And this is following Jesus. It's taking hold of that lifeline that he's thrown us, and you're holding fast. That's your faith. It's holding on to the truth that is pulling you in. Don't let go. Don't be distracted by the waves. Don't be distracted on what's going on around you and the other people who are belching the sea at you and trying to distract disturb you and throw you off. Jesus' Jesus' word is our lifeline. Cast into the sea of chaos to rescue rescue us and draw us to him. This is the truth. Let's look at Psalm 102, verse 25. And the writer here says, In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you, O oh God, you remain the same, and your years would never end. You are everlasting. Psalm 119, 89, verse 89, it says, Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Look at Numbers 23, verse 19. It says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind, does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And then God says this about himself in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. God is immutable. He's changeless. It is, it is beyond his character to ever change. It's beyond his nature. He's perfect. He doesn't need to change. This is why we're always trying to change our minds because we're just never satisfied. We're not perfect. We don't have it all set. But when we build our lives on the truth and we find out that we are, we are sacred, human beings are sacred, and the only text in all of history that reveals that is the Bible. Every other ancient text, even in times where the Bible, the Hebrew Bible was written, talks about the gods making mankind to be their slaves or making mankind to do the jobs that they don't want to do. Or if anyone is made in the God's images, it's, it's just the king or the pharaoh. It's not people in general. But here the Hebrew Bible says that people are the image of God. Everybody, no matter what your status is. That people are valuable to God. And that this God is, doesn't want us as slaves and doesn't want us to destroy us or put us to work. But he wants us, he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to be his children. He wants us to, to be where he is, and he wants to be where we are. This God loves us, no matter what our status is, whether we're great or small, black, white, snot green, or whatever it is. He's, 
this is different. No other text says that. No other faith says, says, says that. This is different. This is not the way people think. This is not the way mankind thinks. This is why this is so evident that we go after who is this Jesus? What is this Bible? Find out. Discover it. Because when you read it out of context, yeah, it's a mess. But if you really go after it and read it in context, it is brilliant, amazing how multiple authors over centuries can all be on the same lines, on the same page, and say a, a narrative that is just beyond anything that any human can ever do or say or think. It is amazing. And this is why I believe, and this is why I know this to be the truth. Now, the Holy Spirit is our guide on this quest for truth. And this is what Jesus says in John 16. And he's, he's, uh, he's telling his disciples, I mean, he's about to get ready to go. And they're like, what are you talking about? What's going on? And then Jesus says, verse 7, yeah, verse 7 in, verse, in chapter 16. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can ever, more than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because if it is from me, sorry, because it is from me that he will reveal what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So this is how we are on the discovery for truth. We need a guide. We need someone to get us there. We need some, someone to guide us. So you see rescue people, they're in the helicopter. They go down to get those people who are stranded, and they are that guide. The helicopter is that truth. The lifeline is thrown, and that guide goes down and gets them. And a lot of times they're all flaring their arms, and they're doing this, and, and that's what the Holy Spirit has to do with it. us flaring our arms. Ah, ah, you know, but those people are trained to be calm and collected. They're trained to to work with people when they're struggling, because a lot of times the people end up drowning you. But thank God we have the Holy Spirit, who is God, who is, he's not going to have any problem saving us. And so when we grasp onto him and let him guide us through those waters and get us back onto firm foundation, back to the truth, that's what it's all about. That's how we should live our lives. So let's don't go after this, this truth on our own, but we need the Holy Spirit to be our guide because Jesus has sent him. He says, look, I got to go, but I'm sending the Spirit. And it's good that I go so that he can come, because he can do a lot more than I can do, because he can be everywhere at once. You know, he can be in the inside, he can be in the outside. He says, Jesus like, well, I'm in this form. I can only be right here. But when the Spirit comes, he'd be everywhere for everybody. It is good. And, he, and just listen to him. Help, let him teach you how to read the word that I speak. Help him teach you how to walk in this life, help him teach you how to build your, bring your, build your foundation, build your life on me, the rock. The Bible tells us to live and remain, to live by the Spirit. 
So you, you see the, the apostles talk about live by the Spirit, live in the Spirit. This is it. So the most powerful things are truth and love. Truth and love are the essence of God. There's no life without them. There's no life without God. There's no life without Jesus. It is just no existence. There's no creation. It is all destruction without God. That's why it's impossible for any of this to be. There has to be a transcendent person, a transcendent mind to make this thing happen. It's amazing. So as followers of Christ, we are to usher in the truth into this world. We are to usher in his kingdom and his ways. That's our whole, that's our whole purpose. When you have the truth, help people. You know, he uses us to help people, to get people back to the rock, back to the purpose of why we are here and all those good things. And we are to love. This is God's essence. And this is what, God, this is what Jesus commands us to do, to love one another, to love strangers, to love our enemies, to love those who think different, to love those who have a different preference and a different worldview, but so that they may see the truth. Because if we're, if we're just fighting with them, we're causing chaos and we're decreating, you know, what God is trying to create in their life, the firm foundation. That's not our job as Christians. And remember, the Bible says in the 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about love and what it is, but it also says love rejoices with the truth. So those two got to go together. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's, um, we're going to have communion this morning. So if you haven't had a chance to, to get your elements, go ahead and um, we have them over there and I think maybe elsewhere. But this is also a, a good time to do it, especially since we had a chance to kind of look back at this video at the time where, which was the darkest, darkest day, but also the most awesome day where Jesus had to face the trials and also be crucified. And this is the reason why we exist. This is the reason why we're here. This is the reason why we believe. It's because of Jesus, who is the truth. And so Jesus, knowing that people in general like to have rituals, like to have things to, and, and need it so that we can remember, just like the, the Israelites had the Passover meal to remember how God delivered them from Israel, out of Egypt, you know, Jesus gave us something to remember him, what he's done. And so he's given us this, these uh, elements as an as a example or an imagery or, you know, to show that he came, he gave himself, and he poured out his life for us, poured out his blood for us to set us free from this chaos, to set us free from the confusion, from the disorder, from sin. And this is what we do. This is how we, this is a way to remember that time, that moment where thunder shook the earth, when the, when the veil in the temple was ripped in half, no longer separating us from the holy place, but God saying, come on in. I have made a way, and it's Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've come, that you have revealed yourself, that you have revealed the truth, that you have revealed your love and your nature, your grace. We thank you for it, God. We pray, God, that you are 
louder than the noise, that you are brighter than the fog, that you're more steady than the sea, that we follow you, that we know you, God. Please, God, let us hear you. Open our eyes, open our ears. May we know the truth. May we know your ways. May we know you, God. May we may return to the original purpose of creation. Let us see you, God. So, Jesus, we remember what you've done. We remember you laid down your life for us, that you took on our guilt, you took on our punishment, you took on our sins, you took on our destructive nature, our iniquity, and we thank you for that, Lord. We believe, we trust in you, our faith is in you, and we hold on for dear life because you are firm, you are the rock, you are never changing. Amen. Let's take the bread. We remember your body which was broken, in Jesus' name. In this cup, we remember, God, that as your blood poured out for us, for the washing of our way of our sins, making us new, we take the cup in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, thank you guys for um, listening to me. I appreciate it. And um, so just remember these things. Always, if you're a believer, remember why you believe. Don't stop reading the word. Don't stop learning about this Savior of ours who's amazing and, and profound and the truth. And also, just re remember if you're someone who's on the fence, you're not sure, ask questions. It's good to ask questions because that's what God wants us to do. And if you're someone who just doesn't believe at all, start reasoning. And I mean like really reasoning. You know, look at the facts. Look at the, the, the physical evidence that you believe in and look beyond that. If our prayer team's gonna go ahead and come on up, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about anything, just let, let these prayer partners disagree with you. Let them help you. Let them pray, with, pray for you. If you have any needs, you need people to come in and greet with you, come on up, because this is what this is all about. This is church. This is what we do. Again, thank you again for your time, and I, I pray that you guys would just have an awesome week. Stay warm, stay safe as the rains come in, into this coming week, and remember, seek after the truth. Amen. You're dismissed.